Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 40-year Wall Street veterans, analysts, portfolio managers who have had to go underground, change our names, take on secret identities in order to provide you with a couple of candid stock tips here on the show each week. You've seen our faces on TV, you've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices and they'll never know. This week we have three uh, medium uh, stock ideas for you and uh, we'll be presenting that in just a moment, but first a couple of important caveats. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only, that's not a guarantee. Secondly, Mo and I are professional analysts and portfolio managers during the week. We do a lot of careful analysis. We interview management teams. We go to conferences. Uh, we do big models and such. We've been careful to do none of that here. And third, um, we do not have your interests in mind. My compliance department's always reminding me of that. And so we're just in this for our own interests. And um, I would certainly do your own homework. And fourth, um, I think I'll speak for myself. I've been drinking. Um, so there you have it, Mo. Uh, see all our disclosures, um, pictures, um, other caveats, et cetera, at www.thevalueguys.com. There's also 302 shows there right now. This is our 300 and third show with shows going back to 2006. Uh, we generally have a couple of good stock ideas and then we drink. That's mainly the, that's how the show works, wouldn't you say, Mo? Something like well, that. It's the, it's the purpose of the show. Purpose. So before we get to all that exciting stuff, I'd like to turn the show over to Momentum, a 40-year career analyst with Wall Street News, which I guess has recently been changed to, uh, the uh, Palm Beach a Minute, I think, yeah, something like that. There is the Palm Beach Minute, but we can also do Wall Street News. And, and this, is, this is sort of a, a fun little conversation we should have. Because we, we, we were talking about this earlier in the week. So you are on the buy side. In your, I in am your, now, if I can say that, yes. In the real world. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. you played on both sides of the fence. You're I have. I've, well, in the investment world, I've played on both sides. I just want to make that clear to our listeners. Other yeah. places, one side. Just, right. yeah. So, you, so you're, you're on the buy side. So your job is to buy stocks. I'm on the sell side, and my job is to sell stocks. And it's interesting because as we do value guys, that professional orientation comes out in the way we look at a stock. You are looking at E because your, your job is to figure out what the company can deliver, the earnings. And earnings, so yeah. When you look at these companies, you're, you're looking at price to book, you're looking at return on equity, you're looking at balance sheet stuff, you're looking at the E. You're giving all my secrets away, Mo. Those are my, oh, what am I gonna do now? There you go, you've told everyone. If they, if they write it all down and they <laughs> do it, well then. Ah, well. But when you're on the sell side, and you're selling stocks, you can't deliver the E, that's the company's job, but you can deliver the PE. And I always like to think of the PE as sort of the applause meter. And yeah. what a firm that's can a good, do, uh, metaphor. what my firm can do is say, your company's earned a dollar, and I can get that applause meter to go up to 50, 
And so your, your stock is going to trade at $50 or 50 times that $1 of earnings. And so I look at these, I look at these sheets, the screens that you produce in a completely different way. So when I'm looking at a, when I'm looking at a, a company, when I'm looking at these screens, I'm looking at, well, what's the, what's the analyst say? What's the target? Is if the target's high, that, that looks pretty intriguing. What's the chart look like? If the, well, if the analyst is any good, I mean, you know, there's that. Yeah, but if, he, if the analyst says it's a double and he's only half right, I figure that's a, that's a starting point to look at. Yeah, I look at the chart to say, you know, what's the, what's the chart telling me? Then I ask myself, hmm, is it a good story? Is it, if we're in the kind of an environment today, I'm going to take a look at it. At now a that's your PE side talking on Wall Street. And I was in that role for a while. I mean, you're thinking about how are you going to sell it to investors and the PE. I mean, to step back from that, um, E times PE is price. So that's what we're getting at here is if you're at a current price, it's based on the earnings times a PE. And, a, 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 you know, when you're thinking about the deal or the investment, you're thinking about breaking down those components. And, um, you know, the profession you were in for so many years, Mo, you're so right. The, the managers, you guys get the earnings going. I don't know how to make your margin go up. Maybe, maybe fire a bunch of guys, you know, who knows, but you can certainly tell the story. I often had that pitch to a management team that one reason you should hire our firm is we can tell the story better. And if more people are interested in the name, that actually increases demand. And when you get to the bottom of this slide, stock prices are supply and demand. The supply of stock for any company is fixed and the Wall Street analysts and the deal team help change the demand, which affects the price. Um, the earnings projection from all the brainheads on the research team, that's only half the equation. And I think Mo, you probably could agree with me that even though we were though we were those guys, we know that it was half the equation. And a lot of those guys don't know that. They think it's all about earnings, but they, and they complain that the deal guys are making too much money. But you and I know that it's the deal guys that sell it. You get you need signature on the page before the checks flow in, and a lot of analysts don't get that part of it. I don't think. So you can be a you can be a uh an amateur stock analyst, and you can do a forecast, but you gotta be able to know what the PE is gonna do over time. And if the applause meter or the enthusiasm is building and the PE is gonna expand, that can hide a lot of shortfalls in the earning equation. So it's interesting that, that as you approach one of these sheets today, I know what you're gonna do. You always do the same thing you're gonna look at book values, you're going to look at, you're going to go right to the fundamentals. Well, book value is over, Mo. I don't know. Maybe you, again, a yeah. PE no. guy, book, that's all. That's, you're giving your age away now, Mo. Book's over. What's your new, what, yeah. what's your, what's your top three fundamental things you look at? Uh, well, first there's EBITDA to enterprise value. You got to look at that as a yield. If we buy the company, and I've been talking about this on the show for a long time, Think of it with your private equity hat on. If we buy the company, we're going to get EBITDA in our hands. Now, we might have to pay the interest, but it's our choice. I mean, if we don't, there's, you know, stuff happens. Or taxes. We can choose. Again, we are going to choose. Some of that's going to go into investment in working capital, CapEx. Again, we make all those choices. So it's not a net. 
but I think of EBITDA over enterprise value. If we buy all the bonds and all the stock and we net the cash, we've paid e we've paid enterprise value as private equity guys, and we get the EBITDA. So I think it's a fair number to look across asset classes with, and I do that all the time. It's it's a useful tool. And what's your next two? Just the next two. Well, I mean, you spoke about price to book, and that's over, as I want to say. Um, it's price to Kindle now, uh, Mo. I'm at <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Now, the problem with book value, for those of you that don't know, is book value means equity. So if you open up the balance sheet, stockholder equity, total shareholder equity, everyone calls that book value because who knows why? Because it used to be in a book, evidently. Um, and what's happened over the years is it used to be that number represented how much money was invested into the firm. And then if, if the management team knew how to deploy that, you know, that, those assets and earn extra money on it, now you start to have a return on that equity, return on equity. Return on equity is also a proxy for the growth of equity, or it used to be. But what's happened is write-offs. Everybody during inflation got into writing off assets that weren't earning their keep. And when you write off your asset, you're also writing off the book, which then lowers the book, which then raises your return on equity for reasons that have nothing to do with the success of the business. So because the accountants have gotten involved, Mo, it's a bad number. Um, so I don't use it. Um, now, return on assets. You know, again, people are wrecking assets, but it's not as bad as wrecking equity. And then, of course, just free cash flow. Again, we do value metrics right out of the value playbook. Free cash flow, enterprise value, free cash flow to EBIT, to, uh, to equity. Uh, you know, margins tell you, growing margins, uh, shrinking margins. In fact, let me step back from this commentary. This, this show this week, um, we, we generally do a screen, and then we kind of go through and give some ideas. We, we screen on a variety of metrics. We had a call come in this week that said, um, hey, I know your value guys, but hey, do you look at growth stocks? Well, of course we do, Mo. Uh, of course we do. I mean, I'd prefer to buy a growth stock. I just don't want to overpay. So we did a growth stock screen this week, uh, Mo. So, define, so tell me, define that. What parameters do you put in to, make a, to look for growth versus the old parameters for value? Well, there's a lot of screens you can run for growth. Um, and, um, you know, some of them are just, you can easily say, look, Russell breaks up the group into value and growth. On average, um, high PE stocks, they've been bid up. So those are growth, low PE value. That's a very crude uh, break. Now, what we try to do is find growth stocks that are at a low PE. So I don't use PE, obviously, as a metric. Uh, I don't mind buying stocks that are losing money. Those are negative PEs. To me, of you know, this growth versus value is a very interesting question. Um, you know, how do you know if it's a value stock or a growth stock? It's not all. It's not all about price to book. What do you think, Mo? Anything? Well, you ran you ran these screens. Um... Well, this screen is on um, year over year growth in revenue, year over year growth in cash flow. Very traditional value screen. I can tell you exactly. Uh, let me pull it up here. Um, I hope I'm not speaking out of school to say that uh, we sourced this. I sourced this screen off a wonderful product called Y Charts. 
and um, you know it's got a lot of stuff in here that's built in like I generally in the shop will run my own screens but this one um, they've got a few templates for screens so here I'm pulling it up okay so this one is um, year-over-year uh, revenue growth in the top quartile uh, three-year growth in the top 50%, year-over-year -year earnings growth in the top quartile, cash from operations in the top quartile. You know, you don't have to be too tight on these things. Uh, there's no balance sheet or anything like that, no valuation. It comes up with um, 91 companies when you start requiring the growth in all these metrics. And I went through them all. And Mo and I shared the list earlier today. And so um, that's what we've got coming later in the show. Uh, but in terms of um, Wall Street observations, I think that's a pretty good one, Mo. Value versus growth is, um, you know, one is sentiment and risk, which are somewhat subjective. And one is more earnings based, which is subjective, but less so because you're relying on revenue and things like that. So do you think, you think this... Here's an observation which you, you may not have you may not have run this series of numbers out, but you had eight stocks. Five of those eight stocks, according to the target price, and I know that that varies a lot, but according to the five out of the eight stocks have less than four percent upside. So the question well, is in this market is 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 growth so much focus on growth that it's hard to find the 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 arbitrage that you can find in, in well value. i mean again the reason i don't buy growth is that it's generally looks expensive that's why one of the favorite growth metrics is the peg ratio pe to growth and again if you do the math on this and derive it it's hard to derive that's why i don't like it but a lot of people use it pe to growth peg it was made famous by uh, i think uh maybe Ken Fisher, uh, who also liked price to book value, just a simple metric. And it says that if your stock is growing 20%, you should pay 20 times for it. It almost tells you that's from a different era because now you pay 50 times for the treasury bond, which isn't growing at all. Right. So, but PEG is some relationship between growth and the PE. These are all expensive. This screen comes from the top growth. So, Given what's happened to the market, it's no shock that it's expensive. But even with that, Mo, I just want to say, even with the challenge, again, I like value. Here's what I did for a listener. Let me see. We have several people write in on this over time. Let me see if I can tell you who called, who wrote in here. Uh, Larry Kudlow called last week, so he's a big fan. I know that. Well, I know, yeah. I've heard that, and now you're getting close to reality there, too, Mo. Oh, I, um, I think uh, someone named David Lang wrote in, and he said, hey, I know you're the value guys, but do you do growth? And David, yes, we do. In fact, we've got 91 stocks here. Uh, I carefully winnowed them down and sent them out to um, Val and I, or I mean, Mo, I'm Val, Mo and I, and we've got those names to represent. Let me tell people what, the, what these eight were. Maybe they can go do their own homework. 
what came out of this growth screen, again, no valuation metrics, waste connections, just waste, obviously, mercury systems, uh, electronics to defense, uh, MedPace Holdings, Medical Clinic, uh, Sprouts Farmers Market. So guess what? They, uh, they do a little bit of uh, delivery. Logitech, which does computer uh, gadgetry. And uh, another surgical company, SS&C, which is in our industry, Mo. It's, uh, <clears throat> they run some of the performance software. And Adobe. That was, those were the raw materials that we were dealt, Mo, the hands we were dealt. And I know that you've had those names for a day. I've had them. And how are we, uh, how are we looking? Do you want to? Well, as a, as, a, as, a, as a momentum guy, when I, looked at the, when I looked at the list, I looked at Adobe based on analyst forecasts, 3% upside. Um, Bedplane, a 1% upside. <laughs> Intuitive Surgical. The, the stock's at 558. The analyst forecast is 552. You got 1% downside. Um, waste connect, uh, sprouts, 4% upside. So the first thing I did was just say, all right, well, is there, is there an analyst estimate out there that, that shows me some upside? Because I'm a, a momentum guy. And uh, so Mercury Systems, and the ticker symbol is M-R-C-Y, is trading at about, call it $78 a share. And um, the forecast, there's three forecasts. The high of, of the forecast is $100 a share, which would give you 28% upside. The middle of the forecast, which is where people are kind of gravitating around, is $90 a share. That's 15% upside. And then the down, the lowest estimate out there is 83 bucks, which is 6% upside. So when I looked at this stock versus the others, at least in terms of analyst forecasts, quick, quick brush before I even look at the fundamentals, um, looked like it was pretty intriguing. Next thing I did was look at the chart. And the chart looks great, especially if you look at a four or five year chart. Um, the next thing is, it's a story. It's a story stock. It's a defense contractor. And I like that about uh, it. That's a nice thing. Yeah. And, and, and so you sort of say, okay, dig a little bit deeper into exactly what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I could tell you what processing capabilities are common in military applications. But if they're a defense contractor, you do a little bit more digging. My guess is that they're, they're, um, they're teed up to be lifted in a rising tide. They're also trading at the, the PE ratio, which is a, a, an indication of enthusiasm for the stock, is, is almost 59 times earnings. Just to put that in perspective, yeah. the S&P is about 23. Yeah, so a little so bit of a people, premium. People love, people love the stock. So I look at those first before I look at the fundamentals because I'm like, all right, I'm a momentum guy. You know, it's a fundamental stink. Everybody loves the stock and it's going to go up. I'm going to buy it. So then I looked on that point, Mo, it's so funny that all the stuff that you like and you're looking at are all the things I wouldn't be interested in. So um, it's uh, that makes the stock market right there. That's why there's I forced myself. That's why there's momentum and values. Values. Yeah. My and mom so named me that. And I just want to say my full name is Valmont. Just but call me Val. That's OK. 
So the last thing I looked at was the fundamentals and, you know, it's the, probably the total inverse of the way you look at them, but the fundamentals are, you know, pretty outstanding. I asked you before if you look at EPS, but, and you didn't really say whether you did or not, but EPS in 2018 was up 50%, in 2019 it was up 12, and this year it's trailing 12, it's up 36%. Yeah. So well, when I look something, go ahead, sorry. The revenues, the revenues are, are trucking along, margins are pretty consistent, um, cash flow margins are consistent. So I kind of look at those as sort of, sort of an afterthought, mostly, Good target prices, great chart, good story. And it looks as though it is not as discovered as, I mean, intuitive surgical. How do you get a $558 stock with a $552 target price on it? So unless you can pull a magic rabbit out of a hat on some of these names and tell me why the, the fundamentals would make the stock go up, I'm going to throw the ball in your court and tell me what you came, came up with that you think looks intriguing because of all of the names on the screen, Mercury Systems is something I'd probably take a second and a third hard look at. Well, it's, um, it's an interesting company and I really appreciate David asking about this because normally I don't look at growth. I look at value. And then if something's been growing and it's broken, that's how it's gotten into my bucket is that it's cheap enough to look at. And, you know, you got to winnow the list. Like doctors look for the, the people that look like they're in serious trouble first. So to me, I do the same thing. If a company's in serious trouble, I want to go in there. It's cheap. There's fear. Um, you want to go and figure out is the damage permanent and that's why the stock's down a lot but wall street has a lot of young analysts who are just scared by institutional salesmen that might beat them up so they're very quick to say i don't know it's management's fault we had everything our model was perfect and then management didn't make the number and so wow sell 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 to quote someone <laughs> i love those situations i love it because it's been gone. It's gone to a cell for entirely emotional reasons. There is a mistake, but it might be a one quarter mistake, a two quarter mistake. In this interest rate environment, when you look at present values of cash flows, a two quarter mistake or even a 12 month mistake is 8% of the value in present value land, which is reality land. Uh, over the course of the future. So when you see something drop 20 or 30% because they missed a quarter and you can go figure out that a year from now it's going to be fine, there's your value right there. So I start from a different point of view than you do, Mo. But what I wanted to say is in the gift that David gave me this week is I did a, I did a growth screen. How did your stock uh, Mercury get through because I looked at 91 and I got eight. I can look at a growth stock. Here's what I look at. It's expensive, but it's a good growth stock. Why? I look at seven year, uh, for example, uh, seven year free cash flow growth versus current, uh, seven year ROI versus current. You you look at where it is and where it's been, and this company appears to be building a lot of momentum. And you said it earlier, Mo, I don't know why exactly, we're not scientists or defense you know, salespeople, but whatever they're doing, 
their customers are saying, do it more, do it faster, and we're going to pay you for it. So that's what I really liked about it was the marketplace itself is telling you something really great is going on here and you almost don't know what the value is. But I will say my shortcut to value equation, and uh, this is totally free, total return equals yield plus growth. Now, when you get down to interest rates that are 2% or PEs that are 50, at a 50 PE, that's 2%. But if the company's growing 30%, I'm still getting at my 32% total return, and I still feel like I'm helping clients. I just have a different perspective in terms of how I come to the name originally, Mo. But it's, this is really in, an interesting uh, approach. So give me your name on the list. That you, did you come up with one out of the eight? I took, uh, I picked two names yep. this week. Um, the first one I'd say is, I get the sense uh, you're doing this right now on the fly. What's that? <laughs> I said the sense you're doing well, this right now. A little bit on the fly, but no. One of them, um, I think you got a good one. I almost did that one because I think that who knows what they do, but whatever they're doing is good. Um, but no, I ended up picking two. And the one I'll talk about with first is the one I know nothing about, just so I can close on a strong note. But it's MedPace Holdings, ticker, uh, let's see, I spoke too soon. Where's the ticker on this freaking thing here? Oh, M-E-D-P, okay. So again, just like the one Mo talked about, this got through a screen just because it's putting up good growth numbers in some of the top line metric sales earnings, things like that, cash flow. The way this got through my screen was simply, it's building momentum in all the important growth characteristics, revenue growth, earnings growth, margins, returns. So one of my favorite metrics is the incremental return on assets, not the average. When you look at return on assets, it's the average they've bought over their whole history, less the ones the accountants choose to write off. But it's more important, what did they spend on CapEx three years ago? That gets into assets. What's the increment to EBITDA since three or four years ago? That's what they did with those new assets. And now you have a read on what this management team knows how to do. There's not a lot of levers a CEO has, but one of them is CapEx and where it goes. So that's an important metric. And this one is doing very well on that. Revenue has gone from 400 million to 900 million in four years. Um, now the gross profit margin is going down, but I think that's because of an acquisition. So I'm okay with it, a different mix. The operating margin, EBIT margin, all going up, earnings going up a lot from a period where they were unprofitable. Um, so this thing, I don't like high PEs have talked about that, but uh, this one on the free cash flow, it's price to free cash flow is 16 times, which I'll do the inverse on that. What's the cash flow to the price? Well, that's 6%. So 6%, that's not a bad yield. If you throw growth on top of it, and this thing's been growing literally like a uh, fast growing weed. Um, where's the numbers here? I mean, I'm going to say, looks like it's, well, here we go. Three years, 27% revenue. 35% operating income. The five years, 
25 and 16. So the three year is accelerating from the five year. It's another great thing to look at. So now remember, you 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 mentioned this, and 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 you sort of glossed over it, but you're right. The margins on this company went from 2017. They went from 40. They dipped down to 30 percent, but revenues went from 400 million to 700 million. So they clearly bought something. You see, yeah, they probably just bought something with lower margins, and they're getting the average for that. But the uh, You'd want, to see what the you'd want to see what the two constituent parts were doing in terms of growth. Yeah. And also their, uh, their ROI, their ROA, all the good metrics are going up. Um, and so, uh, and according to this analyst who, again, I don't, I like to do my own work, but sometimes you trust a little bit. This guy is predicting um, growing EBITDA margins. So that um, this looks, again, if you like growth stocks, which, uh, and you do your uh, yield plus growth total return estimate, I mean, even if I take the EBITDA yield here, which I think is a little better a metric, uh, that's 18 times. EBIT, if you like that one, that's 20 times. That's 20 times to me is a 5% earnings yield, plus you get 20% growth. This looks like a 20, 25, 30% total return name to me, um, uh, which is MedPace Holdings. And just for my compliance people, I'll tell you, I would never buy it because it's a growth stock. <laughs> so I'm good. And what's your, what's your, and then I did one other one, which I'm just going to say is cheating. I'm just going to be honest with the listeners, a little cheating on this one because um, I've owned it in the past. I don't own it now. It's secretly a value name. But it's trading like a growth stock right now. Um, and it's funny, what happens when you're a value guy is I sold this at about a $4 billion market cap, and now it's, uh, I think it's approaching $10 billion. So clearly I, I sold it too soon because uh, I'm small cap. This became a big cap. But Logitech, you know, they do the keyboards and different things uh, for computers. And during this, uh, this period, of course, people, laptops, uh, you know, laptop uh, connectors, keyboards, all that, it's been a good period. But I just want to say that it's been a good period for them for a long time. They've been a great company, good free cash flow generator, good ROI, ROE. Um, I think the stock is not down, it's up. So I couldn't buy it here. I've owned it way cheaper. But the fact is, we all may now have new lifestyles that involve getting, you know, some more iPads and some more uh, Bluetooth keyboards. And I think that these guys are going to be on the front edge of that. Uh, ROA, ROI, all in the 20s. Um, you know, EBITDA margins, they make gadgets in there at 10%. That's really hard to do when you're making gadgets, usually lower. And they've got wonderful relationships with all the key uh, big box players, which maybe is less important, but all the brands. So, um, and, and the price is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not super cheap, but again, growth plus yield. Uh, this is 24 times EBITDA, which in my real life I couldn't pay, but in this world, it's 4% cash on cash. It's growing 20%. I think this uptick of uh, people working at home is going to continue and mid twenties return Logitech. There and you, you know, the interesting thing is on every one of the stocks that, that came up on this screen, 
they all got caught in the in the downdraft of the last month, and this didn't. Well, it was, but it quickly recovered. It it got it came in a bit, but um, yeah, not anything like any of the other ones. No, not at all. And I think people could recognize right away that if if you're you know away from the office, you might need a keyboard uh, or something like that. Um, so anyway, those are three good names. Um, I already kind of forget what they are, but hopefully listeners were paying attention, and there you have it. Um, now, I don't know if you have time, Mo, but we could certainly do a few national economic trends. I don't know if you're off to a Palm Beach event. I know sometimes you get busy down there. No, um, I, think I, can, I think I can hold out just, to, just, just because I'm dying to hear what, what national trends you're going to talk about. Okay. Well, I don't know either, but, you know, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to be back right after this. How about that? So uh, you, you, you look at these economic trends all the time. I don't. So just listener beware. Fred.com, well, I, I, Fred that's all you got to know. Yeah, well, I plugged in Fred.com, and it took me to GenuineFred.com. And the first thing that came up with is uh, a pair of fried chicken erasers and they look like little fried chicken wings and it says ain't nothing like a chicken wing at an entertaining addition to your deskscape with maybe fred. the fed gave up maybe they went home with <laughs> a six-piece bucket of fried chicken erasers ah bring the crispy crunchy comforts to your creative process that is not the uh tip that's not the normal fred site but still good advice well, that's what I got. That's what. So you're on a different. So I'm just on a, a different Fred that adds up uh, all the chicken erasers and all the other stuff that people make in addition to the chicken erasers. So there's, I mean, chicken erasers is a whole department at Fred. Uh, and again, longtime listeners, I'm just on Fred. I'm doing as little work as possible here. And they had a button on their front page that said real gross domestic products. So, hey, let's check it out. What the heck's going on? Uh, real growth domestic product uh, for March was uh, not negative. It was positive by, let's see, percent change, point two five percent so in the first quarter it was just clinging to positive and now uh the fed is not making estimates of the gdp for the second quarter but i've heard some estimates and i just want to warn listeners in advance first lock your windows don't go near any sharp instruments when you're preparing to read the gdp numbers that are going to be coming out just step back Best to be alone. 
it's going to be around minus 10 or 15 percent minus 10 ouch Make, what ouch yeah but that makes sense everyone stops doing fun stuff that's about 10 percent of stuff well it's going to be worse than that mo because the brain trust at the fed and we've talked about them you know the the fed economists and the alchemists all equally guessed the recent employment number i think we reported on that last show and alchemy is being taught at most online universities now so that's something to check it check out um but they're going to annualize it it's going to say minus 40 percent and then everyone's going to say oh well wait that's almost half and then people are going to freak out. it's not actually that it's one thing that's gone it's going to be gone for a while and then it's going to come back it's not gone so this minus 10 is just a future positive 10 that's how i'm just going to recommend people think about it but it's going to be a bad number and uh i don't know how we are on the show i know you have a party or something to go to but um i could uh i could do one more um, do one more and it's this one's more popular this is a very popular item and again, if this is the thing that causes people to go check out Fred, you know, sometimes you got to lure candy to get people into the good stuff. Like how, how do you choose your university? Who gives more candy, right? But when you get there, you might learn something. So the Fed does the same thing. So they have a chart here that says national incomes connection to life expectancy. I'm not kidding you. They want all of us because they know we all want more life expectancy. They're telling us how it ties into national income. It's like the Boy Scouts explaining how if we help pick up the trash, we're going to get more dessert at the end, I think. So let me just read you what this says. This is the Fed. It's at theotherfred.com. And I quote, yep. there is a strong positive correlation between life expectancy and national income. That is, higher life expectancy for a country's population is associated with higher GDP for that country. And Fred has some charts around that. So um, I don't know what else there is to say about it. It's, um, it's something that I think uh, a lot of people are focused on around the world that um, life expectancy uh, is related to national income because you choose to spend more on better food, better medical, these sorts of things, and also more, more happiness. Um, so, given I, your last, so given your last bonus, does that mean you're going to live forever? No, it does not. And actually, for a lot of us, um, what it means is this recent fall in national income means we all need less savings because we're going to all live less time. So one of the upsides to uh, the COVID period is if you were a little bit worried about, you know, your retirement savings, that the fact that it's down self-corrects in reducing your life expectancy. So I just thought that was a piece of, um, you know, research that the Fed had done that people might find interesting. 
it's um, it's on their front page, the front homepage. Basically, it's a way for people to give back. If you grow the national income, we'll all live longer. And I think um, that's a wonderful message from the Fed. So that's that's all I have, Mo. I, I, I don't have any more. I can't give any more, Mo. Well, that's that's all we need. It's all we need. Okay. Well, do you have anything else for this week or should we No, nope, I just uh, I think you should go out and get those chicken wings. I can't imagine uh, what what our show's going to be like the next time we do it. Are we going to start a should we start a chicken wing eraser division? Uh possibly. Okay. Well, if you want a chicken eraser, write in and uh, Mo will provide that. Meantime, thanks for listening in. This has been another Complete waste of your time when you could have been doing something useful, but thanks for hanging out with us. See all of our shows, disclosures, pictures, theme songs, etc. at www.thevalueguys.com. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, all the places you've already been listening to. So uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next time, everybody. See you next week.